And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Speaking of helping your business grow, sales cures ales. I think everyone's trying to figure out how to make more sales, how to sell more stuff, how to get more customers, users, all of it. And in order to do that, you need a solution to your sales problem. That's what we're going to talk about in today's episode, which is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. That's my business, if you weren't aware, and you can learn more about it when you visit Fullscale.io. .io. With me today, I've got Nick Smith, and Nick is the CEO and founder of Sale. That's S-A-I-L-E dot A-I. There's a link for that in the show notes, building all kinds of interesting solutions with and for sales teams. With me live in our Kansas City studio today, Nick, welcome to Startup Hustle. Hey, Matt. Thanks so much. Glad to be here. Yeah, I love I love this topic, but before we get into that conversation, let's start with a little bit of information about your backstory. Sure, absolutely. I, I think just looking around at the setup here, I'm a little bit reminded of my backstory, even a, a little bit further back. So my sales career started with a, a home recording studio in my mom's basement, where I made my first spec radio commercial, and I dropped it off at a local radio station I grew up listening to, and said, "I can sell radio ads." <laughs> Love and that. I was I was 20 years old and they were like, who is this person that won't stop showing up? And eight or nine interviews later, they hired me as an account executive. And that's how I mean, that's how I learned how to sell. And so my job was everything sales executives still do more or less today, prospecting and closing business. That took me to New York, where I spent most of my career at CBS Radio, CBS News, selling local media properties um, and national uh, campaigns as well. Um, I spent a lot of time doing what our company does today for salespeople, but I was doing it manually. So whether it was prospecting or leading teams, um, I had my finger on the pulse of all that salespeople are tasked with doing regularly and was inspired by an idea I had that I think salespeople deserve their own sales robot. And that's what we set out to build. Um, it's been going really well. So I'm happy to talk about it today. Yeah, I am too. And, you know, I, I normally don't throw this kind of info out, but I met you largely because uh, I'm interested in using your product as well. Uh, you talk about sales cures ales and I, I think that the sales process is challenging and especially for tech companies, because I have so many conversations with people and they're obsessed with raising money. They're obsessed with building software. And I tell them, I'm like, you know, you should stop and sell something along the way. And they're like, but how? And the thing that really impressed me about what you guys do is it, it tackles and solves problems related to prospecting. 
And uh, I think that a lot of people don't understand that that's really where good, a good sales department or results begin. Yeah, absolutely. So similar to what you just said, I'm, I'm not a serial entrepreneur. I was more of like a corporate loyalist before starting a business. <laughs> and someone gave me really good advice. He was an entrepreneur and he said that he was getting hit up for angel investments all the time. And his feedback to these startup founders was, hey, go try and sell it to someone else first. Why, you know, that's, that's your best option. So I took that feedback, not only for our own company, but I think when we look at companies we work with, we want to empower them to sell more and get in front of, of people more. You know, we, we look a lot at prospecting and our tool is really created to automate the entire prospecting lifecycle. So we say from discovery and research to delivery of revenue opportunities, that whole process that, you know, salespeople, SDRs, et cetera, are spending so much of their week doing. Um, and, and we think that most salespeople don't spend their time on sales-related activities. So I think part of it's, it's maybe talent, right? You, hey, is this salesperson cutting it? But the other part of it is they're not even really doing sales functions. They're doing data entry. Think about the best salesperson you know. Do you want them doing data entry? I, I don't. I that, that's me. And no, I don't <laughs> want to do data entry. Right. I, I used to be a sales trainer. And uh, this is when I was working in and around the music industry. And uh, in order to, to try to define the prospecting process and, and sales in general, I created this, this simple formula I call 108421. First, you got to find 10 people. Only eight of them will even acknowledge that you are a living, breathing human. Meaning one out of five people right there is, I mean, they're just going to walk right on by, right? You're looking for four people that will actually have a conversation with you. Two people, you're hoping that two of them might be qualified or in, like actually real prospects. And then you hope one buys. So yeah. I'll, I'll tell people, I said, what do you need next? And they're like, um, I'm like, you need a whole lot of people. So part of that, you know, the, and that kind of defines prospecting in a lot of ways. You got to start with 10 people and get it down to eight, four, two, one. And, and I think that so many salespeople just don't even understand how to do that. And, and, and so many sales organizations are just reactive and, sure. and, and, and you're solving that problem. And then the thing is, is a lot of that's just repetition. What I think it really comes down to is you're exactly right, but a sales manager or a business leader is looking around the sales floor or looking around the, the Zoom today, and yeah. they're seeing different salespeople, and they have the 10 8 one principle in their mind, but some of the people are 10 6 or not quite cutting it. So I think inevitably, a sales leader says, man... If we had three more of him or three more of her, we'd be in a lot better shape. So what they try and do is enable, I'm using air quotes on radio, but yeah. enable everyone to be like the person they want more of. What we're challenging is why not just multiply that person you want three more of with their own sales robot? You know, if you really want more of them, multiply them instead of enabling the rest. You've seen... I'm sure you have. You've seen Tommy Boy, right? Yeah. So we like to say that, you know, every company has a Tom Callahan senior, someone out there selling ketchup popsicles to people wearing white gloves. But a lot of the companies have Tommy Boys too, and they're enabling Tommy Boy to be 
Tom Callahan Sr. We say, why not just triple your Tom Callahan's, you know? Well, that's hard to do. And I think that that great salespeople, so there's a problem that exists with salespeople and it's that almost all of them think they're great salespeople and like 2% of them might be. And I think that solving a sales problem begins with defining, well, first off, understanding what it is you're trying to sell. Because I think some, some, some sales organizations are inherently reactive and, and just can be and, they, and can afford to be. Um, but you will, the, but the hunter mentality going out and finding new business, which defines prospecting is, is you know, literally taking the fight to to everything and and that begins with understanding like who you're trying to sell to because find the 108421 formula falls apart in a hurry if it's just 10 random people yeah so like 10 random people might narrow it down but if what if those 10 people were qualified buyers that you had defined that you understand want your product and and all of it and you know that's literally so that definition begins right there. And then I think the next thing, and this is what I love about the sales robot. I don't think that salespeople like prospecting at all. No, I I don't think salespeople love prospecting. I also think that, um, well, there's, there's a few points that, that I'll make here. Uh, first of all, you have to sort of live on the edge of a knife for a little while. If to constantly feel like you need to be prospecting so that it becomes part of your inherent day-to-day job to prospect. So whether you like it or not, you have to get in that habit. You hear always about the sales habits. Um, And so I remember there was a time when I had a mentor on a sales floor with me and there was this guy, we'll call him Johnny Doyle, right? Um, and we can't, John, we can't call him Tom Callahan so this is Johnny Doyle and he was that salesperson you're talking about who really thought he was like God's gift to sales mm-hmm. and my mentor Barbara she would say to me every time Johnny picks up the phone you pick up the phone I don't care if you don't have a number to call call someone because if he's on the phone you should be on the phone so Habitually, I got into the practice pretty regularly. But I think the other thing you're talking about is you can do more than everyone else and have success, or you could be smarter and really know your market well and have success, or you could do both. And I've always tried to do both. Um, But I think that what we say is most of the salespeople we're working with know what a great prospect looks like. They don't like prospecting sometimes because it's just so rinse and repeat, or maybe it's all the tasks they have to do to get through it. You know, finding email addresses, uh, finding the right contacts. It's work. It's just work, right? It's work. So we start with them. Like we're not a platform, which is, I think, caused us challenges sometimes. But a sailbot is not a platform. We're building that robot based on them, who they prospect, what a decision maker looks like for them, geography, value proposition even how aggressive they are. And I think that's where we've really bridged the gap on getting the salesperson to buy in to the fact that a, a robot could do some of what they do. I think a lot of people don't understand the concept of robot. And some people are like freaked out by AI. It's going to take over. I'm kind of looking forward to that day. Yeah. Cause honestly, the, the, the machine 
as we'll call it, whether it's machine learning or AI or whatever, in so many cases is just automating the tasks that we as people are terribly inconsistent about. And people ask, like, why are these software and tech companies so valuable? Software shows up to work every day. It does. It doesn't take Christmas off. It doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have a sick day or at least, well, you're hoping it doesn't. But if it's built well and it performs well, it shows up to work every day and it does a lot of things in the background. And it's that consistency and the and then the scale. So, you know, at, at, we looked at one point that there were over an 18 month period, we identified over 80,000 different companies in the U.S. that had posted a job for a, a software developer. And that's what we sell at full scale. And we're like, well, here's prospects. And you're like, what am I going to do with 80,000 of these? You got to get to go through that 10, eight, four, two, one process. The problem is, is like, I mean, they're, they all, they're all hiring for what we're selling, which one's better than the other. And then that's a daunting task. And, and so much of the, so much of the, the glory or the, discipline. And, and let's be honest about salespeople. And I admit it, my name is Matt DeCourcy and I am a salesperson. I'm going to go ahead and just uncloset myself there. Cause the yeah. thing is, is like salespeople are, are, we are, we are inherently disorganized and, and just, I don't know, often egocentric. And, you know, I, I, now if I'm a great salesperson, you're going to probably find a way as my boss to clean up after me. Yeah. But not always great with, with the routine. Now the elite salespeople I know are, they, they, uh, so I like to say activity breeds sales and that activity in the old school pre machine days were, you know, I'm going to get up, I'm going to make 50 calls today. I'm going to stop, or may, I'm going to stop by 10 different places and introduce myself. And if you've ever worked somewhere and like the, you know, you work at a restaurant and the rep from the bread store comes by, they're prospecting for your business. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, but that's how you go out and find it. Now, you know, you go back to our problem with 80,000 companies. So how do I narrow this down to 80 or even 800? And that's where automation can and should do a much better job as long as well as, and that's what I like about Okay. So it's one thing. So, okay. We've seen everyone that's looking for the past opportunity. And what I like about sale is you talk about delivering actionable revenue opportunities. And that's the challenge that people have is you get all oh, data, data is suddenly the most valuable thing in the universe and all that. It's not worth shit if you can't do something actionable with it. Yeah. Like no, knowing that these are the three things that make your clients churn after they've already churned it's just a, it's just a, that's just trivia at that point. I mean, I would say, you know, back to a point you made uh, a couple of minutes ago, we tell people AI is not smarter than you. AI is not going to close more business than you, but it's smarter than all of those tasks you're wasting your time with. Yeah. It's smarter. It's smart enough to do that 30% of your day that's dedicated to data entry or cold outreach or finding email addresses or, or whatever it may be. Follow up. So you now have your own bot that's doing your baseline daily tasks and, and functions. What it's delivering back to you is an actionable opportunity where I think um, some sales leaders have been disenfranchised with lead generation is the quality of things they were receiving didn't look, I got a lead with this company, but it's no one I would have ever called in the first place. Not because um, I didn't know about them, but because they're not a good fit. And so we really start with them. And 
I think it also helps break down some of those walls about AI. We think about the prospect first. What is the best part about being a prospect? People are chasing you and you get to set the timeline. So if you respond to a salesperson and say, timing's not good, follow up with me in six months, a good salesperson, a lot of times, is probably going to follow up with you in five months or in three months when there's a special offer, right? The sale bot reads that email, you respond, and will follow up in exactly six months. The prospect is empowered and they're listened to. They're playing their role in the situation. But for the company, they want the benefits of AI and automation without sacrificing their principles, without sacrificing their value proposition. So the fear is, hey, now we're going to have this chat bot or we're going to have this AI. We, we don't make chat bots, but what I will say is when we talk to them about AI, we let them know they're setting the parameters. The same way you would hire a salesperson and have a one-on-one or give them the playbook for success, that's what you're doing with our success team when you onboard. So they're setting rules now. And then finally, it's really built for the salesperson. So we don't do anything until they tell us who they want to prospect in the geography they want to prospect, why they want to prospect them. Um, and that's how a sale bot comes to be. So it's really focused on them. I've had a lot of people ask me that, I mean, I've had salespeople fail or, people, you know, how do I fix the sales problem? And you get in, you look at what the salespeople are doing. And, you know, and this is a simplistic answer. Why am I not successful at sales? You're not doing the things that successful salespeople do. What do you mean? Well, follow-up is a huge, like you just mentioned, I'm telling you more salespeople than not aren't making that call six months later. Right. All you like theoretically and the manual world set a reminder for yourself. Yeah. Like if you're not using it, just set a freaking reminder. Yeah. You know, call John or or whatever. And the, and the thing is, is, and then another thing too is, you know, salespeople can be kind of transient, you know, they're not, they're not always, are they even there six months later? So one of the things I don't talk a lot about, but since I started sale, what have SaleBots taught me as the CEO of sale about well, what sales? Ha- what have they? So for example, now, if I do some manual prospecting, which everyone, by the way, should always do, if you're in the game, then you're not going to be able yeah. to hold your horses if you're driving down the road and you see a billboard for a perfect client that you've not talked to. Anyway. Well, it's hard to train automation if you don't know how to do it manually. Exactly. Yeah. So like today, if I sent a manual email and someone responds and says, timing's not good, follow up in six months, the very next thing I do is write the follow-up email and schedule it for six months later. Instead of the reminder, I just scheduled the email. Worst case- Dude, dude salespeople will be like, yeah, I'll do that later. No, you won't. That's a yeah. great way to miss that opportunity. Yeah. Just Well, we talked about this before we started, right? Like just- it, you find that if you're not doing it right now, it doesn't get done. Sometimes it feels like everything needs to be done right now, but that's the best time to do it. What are a couple, you said you had, there were other things that you figured out. What are a few of those? Sure. So I would say generally how people engage with content. We've had the pleasure of, you know, 30% of our businesses in Europe, and they take a very different approach to uh, email in general. I mean, I like to say sometimes it's like there's a paragraph qualifying why you ever had the audacity to email this person before you tell them why you really emailed them. But just seeing sort of approaches to prospecting in general, that's a little bit more expert, 
sort of uh, educational rather than more now we got to talk like more than the urgency thing. I think it's been really interesting for me. Um, there's little things that, that I do that I've seen our sale bots do. For example, you might get an email from me that says, hi, Matt, I hope all is well. I would never, ever say that in an email. I find myself saying it all the time now because the sale bots do. <laughs> well, that's, uh, it, you talk about the, the comparison of data and results, and that's where I think that, um, so I, to prove a point, we had been sending out using like a, like a CRM kind of a cold outreach. And, and I went, they were like, Oh, we're not getting a very big open rate. And I go and look at the subject lines. I'm like these, I wouldn't open these either. And they're like, what do you suggest? Make the subject line blatant sales pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Highest open rate we've ever seen in an email ever. That's so funny. Well, yeah. you know, but I mean, that's the thing It's like, if you, sometimes you got to get that attention. Yeah, I spent. Unfortunately, I spend a fair amount of time every morning deleting a bunch of emails I'm not going to open just to clear them out of my inbox because I get all kinds of like boring inquiry. And like you mentioned, like you don't need to tell. I don't want to read your paragraph about why you have the audacity to email me. Like, just tell me what you want yeah. and why. And if you can do that in like a couple lines, then I, 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 I might, I might reply but I it's, think, it's the tldr stuff that's like why is there an 800 word essay with graphs and charts and like you don't win at the email like I, you need a response a reply and like yeah. remember that that prospecting outreach is intended to garner someone's interest in what you do now if you're if you have the luxury of selling a frictionless product that on that everyone onboards onto buys and subscribes to without any human intervention, congrats. But most most people that are selling stuff, like you can't even buy something from full scale right now. Yeah. Well, I think also like the the number one thing, like you're not going to stand out by doing the same thing everyone else is doing to stand out. Like everyone is doing something that they think is really unique to stand out and eventually it all becomes the same white noise, right? I was just at a big like software event conference and we talked about how, you know, everyone had the same haircut, everyone had the same logo with the same white background and the same black font, right? And so you you have to go against the grain a little bit. Now, sometimes, and my team will tell you, it can get a little bit wild, you know, I happen to, I've developed this affinity for the color pink on most of our <laughs> decks and websites. But what what I think is true, and since I've been in sales, um, has been true, is I've always sort of played with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Like I'm going to win that prospect. I'm going to win that business. In fact, sometimes I've been more distracted by the ones that have said no than the ones that are over there saying yes, right? So that's a little bit in my DNA of winning business, earning business, fighting for the deal, justifying why we deserve a seat at the table. And I think that's one of the things that's helped sell scale like we have. Love of this conversation. I got to do a little work here and remind everyone that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Fullscale.io to learn more. Now, the, the, 
the idea of automation and the scale that it comes in, and you've referred to that as digital labor. So like, I mean, how, how is that, how is that different than, you know, say like an automated sales tool? Sure. Yeah. It's a good question. So I think about my sales career and I was one of the ones that was notoriously bad about updating the CRM and my uh, sales manager would always say, Nick, how are you going to hit the number this quarter? Um, How how are you going to make it? It's not, I don't see it in the pipeline in the CRM. And I would always say, like, I'll get there. And I always hit the number. I, I couldn't live with myself if I didn't hit the number, right? So that was something that was sort of baked into me and, and my own DNA. When I think about automation and digital labor, we know the leads will come. So we're not just a lead platform. And we're working with world-class, we call them the 1% of sales leaders, that know they're going to hit the number. They know the deals are going to come, but this makes their life and their job exponentially easier because it's truly multiplying them. So I have this conversation with our team a lot. We're not selling leads. Leads are the outcome and they're everywhere. They're all around you. A lead could be on a post-it note. It could be on a billboard, in your inbox, wherever. So the leads will come and ours happen to be fantastic and actionable, right? But the real value is the multiplying of digital labor because a multiplying of labor with digital labor, because one sale bot should be able to do the output of three SDRs, right? And that's just at our sort of standard approach. A bot can do unlimited output, right? But if it's doing the work of three SDRs, then you should expect opportunities to flow as if you had three additional SDRs. So now Donna or Jessica or whoever today's sale bot is we're working with, can literally be in multiple places at once. We've we've been pretty proud of some of the reviews we've seen online come back. And there's one that's my favorite I always reference. The person said, sales solves the age-old problem of how can I be in two places at once? So I think that's our approach to labor. I think the other thing, not to take it too abstract, but I think there's a general trend of people wanting control of their labor and their output. And the reason I say that is the gig economy showed that people liked having a side hustle. People liked being able to make extra money and do extra things. And they were choosing to do that with their time. I think now, rather than just giving someone another platform to stick onto their sales obstacle course, we're giving them time back and they're deploying that labor as they see fit. They're prospecting the type of companies they want to spend their time prospecting. They're using a value proposition that they think is going to really land with the market. And I think there's a lot more to come there with labor in general and how you as a human can deploy your bot as you see fit to benefit you. And no one should be afraid of that. That's opportunity. I just gave a fireside speech recently and that, that I will turn into a very rare solo episode, meaning like just me. Uh, but the subject was on how to scale sales at your startup. And, you know, it started with, are you even ready to scale? Because like, for example, at full scale, we had a waiting list for a while, which meant that wasn't necessarily the time I needed to press the gas down on, on marketing. Uh, but so much of, of the, you know, when you're talking about being in two places at once or, or multiplication, 
is, is the key ingredient. Cause you know, if you, if you don't, you have to define what it is that you want to do. And if you have to bring in nine or 10 new people, now you're going to have to train them. How long does that take? Uh, several of them are going to die on the vine, no matter how accurate you are with hiring with salespeople until they show up and show that they can sell. You don't know. You don't know. And, and, and I, you know, really keyed on the use of automation but some of my frustration that went with it. And you talk about the AI and it being, being a little more intelligent because an automated sales tool is just going to be like, hey, if this card, so you look at like, like a Trello board or a Kanban board as it's technically known, and you talk about not updating the CRM. I mean, dude, that's a bigger challenge than anything else. I mean, solve that problem right there. And, and, I, and you mentioned Post-it note. I actually use the example. So I used to sell pianos a long time ago. Now people are like, God, how do you make any money doing it? Pianos are expensive, dude. There's yeah, a big commission there. For so, sure. But I had a guy come in that wanted to buy like the most expensive thing in the store. It was like 70 grand. And I used to write things down on post-it notes and like stick them to the wall. By the way, to give you some timing on where we were technologically, the Palm Pilot was still oh, a thing yeah. there. Nice. My sister actually learned that scribble language. Anyway, so... But I had written this, this info down and I, it was in my pocket, in my pants that ended up accidentally getting washed that night and away went the lead and oh. the prospect. And, <laughs> and I remember how I felt. I was like, oh my God, like what just happened? Yeah. And, uh, and I also remember how lucky I felt when that person found their way back to the store and purchased on their own. Yeah. But, but that was that lesson of record the opportunity the moment that, it, that you know that there's an opportunity, which is also what salespeople are bad at. They're like, oh, I'll write it down later. No, you won't. You forget about it or what, what slips through the net. And, you know, so the thing is, is like an automated sales tool. And you, okay, you talk about this card and you say, okay, this is a prospect. And then they're, they're interested. And all you have to do is click a mouse and move a thing on a screen over like 20 pixels. And, and that's, and then you're winning. Yeah, yeah, you would be shocked at how hard it is to get a human to do that. Yeah, well, you might not be, but most people would be. Sure, and I mean, I guess there's probably a couple but, of reasons. But well, your sales automation yeah. tool won't work if you don't slide that freaking card over a little bit because it's got a now, it's now waiting for that, and and you know it's it's yeah. just there's not there's not a real level there's no there's no intuition or learning or any of that. And I would assume that those are some of the problems that you solve. Well, maybe not moving the card itself, but understanding, Hey, I got a reaction here. I think that what, what would be the reason that someone doesn't move the, move the card over? Is it because they're so distracted by what's next? What's the next thing? Is it, is it laziness? Is it, there's so many different things it could be. It's a philosophical I, question I think, that, that sales leaders and business owners may never answer, Nick. Yeah. Or is it a little bit of, of pride? There's a lot of things that could be there. I think what we try and solve is in terms of the daily prospecting activity and the intelligence required behind that, we take care of that. And I think that if we can remove some of those uh, tasks that eat up so much time, yeah. Then it or that you don't have the discipline to do. Or that you don't have the yeah. discipline to do. It enables them to do more of the things they do want to do, which is to have conversations, have, you know, solve problems, et cetera. So in the world of sales leadership, you've had to like train yourself to like really, quite honestly, stay on people about it's aggravating. It's aggravating. So I, I 
I trained myself like literally. So your habits and your actions and your success or lack thereof are determined by the programs that you build in your own mind and and your own actions. And I've literally trained myself to take this, like to get this weird little release of endorphins when I move that card over Mm -hmm. or when I cross something off the to-do list. I have something like, it's just like, I mean, it's like weirdly satisfying. Well, what do you use for your to-do list? So, you know, that's, that's the crazy thing is we're sitting here talking about AI and I still, so I still use paper. Yeah. And, well, I do I for most stuff. I have other things. If I want to share it with like a group of people, we have like an actual process. And yeah. Like, you know, kind of like the Kanban stuff. Kanban's like Trello is the best example of that. Just sliding the card over. But but here's the thing. So I force myself to rewrite the to-do list regularly, which you will only, you like begin to shame yourself. You're like, I am writing this again. Yeah. And again, so for me to rewrite my to-do list in some cases may take three hours because I'll actually do a lot of the stuff because it's always little shit, dude. It's like like a three-minute task. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to like write this down again or actually do it. Yeah. And and so that – but that's that's a force of habit that's gone on for a while. So I, for me, I live for the ding in Microsoft to-do. Mm. And sometimes when I need a real boost, I'll resist the urge to mark it off because I know I can knock out three and then I get a ding, ding, ding. And even now that we're back sort of like working together and like working in an office, I know if, if my sound's up and other people are in the office and I ding, other people use that app and they're going to know that I'm really crushing it. They're going to be proud. (laughs) It's weird to, and it's funny because I feel, I feel ancient by saying that like the, but the paper thing and like I mentioned that rewriting of it and, and some of that is, is more courtesy because it's hard for me if I, if I write something down like now it, it's uh, I, I liked, I want to feel present because a lot of the stuff I'm taking notes on would be during a conversation with someone. And if I'm sitting there plunking it into my phone, yeah. You know, so some of it, I, I've tried a lot of digital stuff, man. And I, and it's, it's weird because I really am like an automation freak. I, I, every business I've owned, I have made such a strong push to automate all of it. And I, I mentioned to you when we first chatted that, so I, I, I owned a ticket business, like, you know, we're ticket brokerage and at, we went from 4 million to 8 million a year in sales over a two year period. And our staff went down by 50%. And it was just from automation and efficiency and it was all doing stuff that no one wanted to do anyway. Yeah. So it, it wasn't that we, we didn't replace people. It's just, if they moved on, we just didn't replace them. Yeah. That makes sense. We didn't like fire people going, Oh, thanks for building the robot. Now get out. Because the business yeah. was getting smarter. We got totally smarter. I mean, a yeah. lot of it was just like, it, it, so if you're a, high volume ticket broker, you've got a million dollars or more worth of stuff for sale. And then dynamic marketplaces, meaning places where the price can change at any time, like eBay or StubHub. These are dynamic marketplaces. So you can, going through and pricing all that stuff accurately as as a full-time job for a human, but it doesn't need to be. So we had pricing automation. And the main thing was about harvesting data. So it's like, you know, buy tickets and we'd have all these purchase orders and it was entering, it was data entry. Yeah. And just like, and then some of it too, it's also just like, you know, this was back when tickets were PDF, you know, and Mm -hmm. you know, now there, you can't get a PDF of a ticket in most places, but we had, so think of the, 
Okay. So that your goal in a business like that is not to ruin someone's night. And I say that meaning you can't sell the same PDF twice, or it means someone's outside the venue. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's an expensive business practice. Cause if you do that, places like StubHub, they fine you, they like charge you extra. It's, it's financially devastating, not devastating, but it's noticeable. And then also you just don't want to ruin the site. You know, and uh, so with that, there's the automation side of it was wildly more accurate than a human. Sure. And, and then also just finding people that wanted to do it. Yeah. So, you know, but, but yeah, that, that was super helpful. And especially with like the pricing thing, because you talk about selling stuff. If you are selling a, a identical or similar product and let's say it, well, it's easy. So in the case of a concert, it would be like a lawn ticket. I mean, there's who knows how many lawn tickets right. on StubHub for a big show. They're not different. Yeah. It's on the lawn. Right. <laughs> so the thing is, is people will buy the least expensive one. Yeah. So you get it. You would get in these marketplaces, you get into these like literally penny wars. Okay. You'll take 50, you'll take 54. I'll do 53 99. And you're just like, right. but here's the thing is, is that can be the difference in selling. And, and you talk about just like, I mean, thousands and thousands of little unique things. And then where automation and we d- kind of developed our own in this regard was also knowing when to stop with the penny wars because the automation can get out of control too. Sure. When we tried to build, build some of it, uh, we, and we weren't successful. We learned, we learned a lesson on that really quickly because if two bots battle each other <laughs> and they don't have a floor, you're going to sell something for a penny. Wow. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. See, I never would have thought of that. Yeah. So some of that we did on a smaller scale and there were actually a couple companies that built it on a, on a massive scale. And, uh, you know, there's ticket brokers that do a hundred million in sales a year. And just think, yeah, you know, and and at the time they would have five or six people that would just sit there and do pricing all day. Yeah. And the problem the problem with that too is that anytime that these are these are subjective decisions made by a person. And what we found is that we had some employees that were really good at that, and some weren't. And some of it, it, it when and when it was all manual, it resulted in a lot of stuff being sold for a fraction of what it should have been. Yeah. Because someone just didn't have the understanding that this is worth a thousand dollars rather than two hundred and fifty. Yeah. So yeah, just weird. And then it was just mainly just the volume of it because you spend half a day repricing everything, which when you were done, just meant it was time to start over. So, but like you, when you start talking about what can go wrong, or what to to or needing to have a floor, you probably gave the guidance on what that floor would yeah. be. Right. Yeah, and some of it, and some of it would just be like you know you could just set. I mean, it would just be like automatic. Like you know, it was honestly the biggest challenge in a lot of cases was just getting your listing created, getting the entry made, and to the point of sale system. Yeah, because because in those kind of businesses, there's you talk about timing and opportunity, and I think that's a good thing to understand in sales is that there are definitely better times to sell whatever you're selling than not. Well, so. I think there's a couple good points on that, but back to the last thing, what I would say is, you know, you're giving the guidance on what the floor should be. So the sale bot is still reliant on the human to give guidance on what it should do and who it should do it with. And I think that's really important. And when, because, 
you know, salespeople are notoriously stubborn. And I think most are under the impression they're the only person that can do what they're doing. And maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're not. You know? I refuse to believe or admit that salespeople are stubborn. <laughs> right. Exactly. Wait, wait, is that, I just proved so, And I've interviewed salespeople all day today and I'm very energized because I love it. I love interviewing and talking to salespeople, but they're definitely under the impression that they are the only people that can do what they do. Yeah. And well, that's that was my great. point earlier so, in the show. Everyone, they all think yeah. they're great. And by the way, if someone shows up for a sales interview and they don't think they're a great salesperson, believe them. Yeah. Because I've never <laughs> met a great salesperson that was like, man, I suck. Yeah. So we rely on them heavily. Um, but to your other point of like, there's good times to sell and bad times to sell. Still my favorite use case of a sale bot. And it goes back to something else you said about sick days. Um, is the second week in December the best time to start cold outreach with the prospect? No, not in my business. Not, that would actually be the worst. Yeah, time. not yeah. manually, especially. Yeah. Yeah. But just as you're sitting at your desk, miserable or not miserable, on the second week of December, someone else is too. And it's not costing you extra for the sale bot to prospect those people and find the needles in the haystack that are. Worst case scenario, someone's out of offices on and they reply to the bot and say, I'm out of town or I'm on holiday until the second week of January. The sale bot will read that and will follow up a few days after they get back. That is where automation and AI can help you truly be on top of it and on in more places at once. So here we are 40 minutes later. These always go really fast. I, yeah. lo I love the subject. And I do want to remind everyone, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, let full scale help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. Kind of like what you're doing, our system will match you up with, with people that have the skills and experience that you're looking for. And, you know, that's, 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 a, that's an important part of what we do. You can learn more about it at fullscale.io. Look, you just go and you answer a couple questions. It takes like two minutes. You did it, didn't you? It, took, it literally takes two minutes. Yeah, it's great. And that's, that's just the fastest part. Now, uh, obviously, the, our goal with that is kind of like yours is like, let's trim the fat out of this matching process. And, you know, like you, and we, we find that, um, let's put it this way. You would be surprised at how many people that run tech companies aren't really sure about what they need with their tech. Yeah. Or, and then the hard part is, is, is determining who's any good at it. Sure. This is easy. Like you be, dude, you may or may not be surprised at how many people with 15 years of experience can't pass our assessments. Really? I mean, it happens all the time. A lot of it's just because, and, 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 you know, and there's been a different approach to stuff because you, you, we used to look at, I say used to, I'm 47 years old, so I'm, I'm kind of old, but it, you know, 20 years ago, you want that, oh, they've been at the same place for 15 years in tech. That's not always a great thing. Sure. Cause they can be very institutionalized. Like we'll get people that have been at some company for 15 years and they don't, and they don't know how to use GitHub. Yeah. You know, and that's like kind of a kind of a crucial piece. Sure. Now, but it's just because they didn't do it. So, you know, these are the things that we're vetting for. Someone asked me earlier today, like, well, what do you sell at full scale? I said, peace of mind. You know, that's part. And I think that's what you sell too. Yeah. And because as a business owner, dude, what keeps me up at night is the lack of prospecting, the lack of consistency in prospecting, and the lack of ability to still. Okay. So, you, all this stuff you've talked about, and I've been thinking about this this whole time is, you know, the, I think the, the most expensive and the most painful opportunities to mess are the ones that you didn't even realize existed 
or that or that you just clearly fumble well we so i think about this a different way there was a sort of a trend a few years ago where everyone needed their b2b database subscription and i always thought of that as you're you're paying a subscription fee to find out a bunch of of people that you know are not are not doing business with you right essentially but then once you have that you still have to do something yeah. with it so why why not proactively get ahead of it of course, you need contact data, but find people that are ready to do business and the opportunities, the people that are sitting out there that need what you're selling that don't even know that you exist yep. or that you wouldn't have yep. contacted. So I think that's well, really and that's the key thing. And then, and, you know, to be, to, to be elite as a salesperson, you have to be great at prospecting and following. Yeah. Like the follow-up thing is, is, and I, and you know, that's, I, I, I have, have had pretty experienced salespeople in the past that don't understand, like can't, don't seem to understand how to take the temperature on, you know, if someone's really interested in what you've got and they're ready to go and they're like, yeah, I'll follow up with them in a week. What? Yeah. I'm going to call them. To, I'll call you tomorrow. Sure. I'm going to call you that night. Yeah. If you, you know, to, like if that's the case, if, like, you know, I mean, it depends on what you're selling, but you know, and this is, that's what I love about the automation piece. And, and then, and then the intelligence because that's, that's, you know, go back and I'm reviewing like what we talked about. I think that's the big difference between what you're building and the automated sales tool. Because we talk about the cards and the, the problem is, is if the person doesn't slide that thing over, then it's not going to send that next sequence or that next whatever. And I'm even had situations where someone doesn't want to move the card. So then you, you make yourself, your business look like an idiot because they already filled out the form. And you've got some, I mean, dumber automation tool that's like, hey, fill this out, fill this out. I've right. had that happen. And I don't reply to that shit pleasantly. Yeah. I, I'm actually, I'm actually, a, I might be a bot shamer in some <laughs> regards. I get it on LinkedIn a lot, dude. Like, more, I mean, so much. It's like, dear first name. Yeah. I'm like, you need to tune up your bot, dude. Get it moving. Like, that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's. It's shocking. And then, uh, yeah. And by the way, please don't reach out to me on LinkedIn. And, and the reason that we should connect is because you saw that I'm connected to someone else, you know, yeah. that's a weird, have you seen the one about my five-year-old drew this for you? No, this is the creepiest one. I get it all the time. And it's from different people, different five-year-olds. Like my five-year-old did this art for you. And it's my LinkedIn photo inside of a drawing. And it's like, will you meet with my mom or will you? And it's really weird. Dude. So the first don't time, do that either. Yeah, the don't first time I got either. it, I thought, man, that's not going to work. But then I got like three others. So someone's selling this concept out there. And I think it's just, just really odd. So I, I should have prepared for this <laughs> if I knew I was going to do this. But, you know, it's like, I mean, dude, I, there's some bad ones. It's like, you know, I, I mean, just there, there's a lot. I'm hoping to meet you at TechCrunch. I'm not going. I haven't mentioned publicly that I was going. I did it already occur. It's coming up. I mean, dude, there's 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 a lot. I, I I've archived so many of them because I do it instantly. But um, I think you've accomplished a lot in expanding your company's business. I have thought about expanding my business to the U.S., but I don't know how much much about the U S market. What <laughs> aspects of the market do you think are the most important for business expansion? 
our lack of response to LinkedIn messages. <laughs> I mean, what? What? That's like one step above the Nigerian prince that <laughs> needs my money to free up all of his money. I did watch, I was watching an old 30 Rock episode the other yeah. day and Tracy Jordan had just gotten rich and they were a big payment and they were like, what happened? He's like, oh, that Nigerian prince sent that $50 million over. But it's just like, I don't know. I think with prospecting, it's like you got to, you know, back to, I think the, the moral of the story is, is have some good, have some good practices, have some good discipline. And, and then, you know, the messaging is key too. It's like, give me your, why, why am I listening? Yeah. I think you have to assume that everybody you're trying to reach is ridiculously busier than you can even imagine. Yeah. So why do you want to pay attention? Sale. That's with an E dot AI. Check it out. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.